0: Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show I would like to congratulate the owners of all exclusive golf courses around the North London area for their expected boom in business over the coming months. If Gareth Bale's anticipated move to Spurs is grabbing the headlines right now, Manchester City fans are wondering what the hell is happening to their marquee signing, with Kaladu Koulibaly no closer to joining the Blues than on a day he was born. We'll be discussing this shortly, along with all manner of other Blues-related concerns. And we'll do so with a trio of guests who, are, who always hit their opinions straight and true down the fairway. First up to the tee, we have Jordan Elgott. You right, Jordan?
1: I'm good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. I'm well. Are you uh, in Glasgow at the moment? I am, yeah. I had a bit of a late night last night watching uh, Motherwell beat <laughs> Coleraine in a penalty shootout <laughs> in the Europa League second qualifying round. Well, I wasn't too pleased after they let a two-goal lead slip as I had to stay until I think I left about 10-1 to last night. But happy to be back talking about Manchester City, that's for sure. It's all glamour in your business, mate. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, next up, we have the five times winner of the Paris Open. Hello, Asan. Hi, mate. I'm keeping to the golf theme. I don't know why. I just that's all right.
2: I don't, you can you can stick to the golf theme. I'm, I just promise to be very respectful to you this this <laughs> podcast,
0: mate, because I've been hauled over the coals by our listeners for uh, for going a bit hard on Wednesday. It's My job as host It's uh, to absorb all that, and also I, I, I kind of fired a couple back, but people don't seem to appreciate that we're mates. So Apparently, uh, I, I kind of feel like a bully, to be honest with <laughs> you. <laughs> it's
2: really, genuinely, I've had so much stick from people going, <laughs> you were really, that was really, you were well out of order with Steve. And I'm just like, hang on, guys. Like, <laughs> was a robust
0: discussion about football. I well, mean, what yeah, to be spent? fair, I, I feel bad for asking them to get in touch with you, so... <laughs> <laughs> Knew it. Knew uh, it. Last but by no means least today, we're delighted to be joined by a player who was already thinking of his first pint at the 19th hole. It's Jordan Rothwell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jordan?
3: Yeah, man. I, I, I'm good. It's good to be back. Second show. Second, second night of 320 show. By Making Demand, a good right? start.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, for the purposes of um, you know, two Jordans on a show, one's Jordan E today, one's Jordan R, um, I want to get started with a very generic question and you can answer this any way you see fit. Uh, we'll start with you, Jordan a. What shape are City in going into the 2020-21 season?
1: I'm going to try not to be too negative. However, you know I'm on this podcast and you know what will happen if you go too hard. I've seen what's happened to Steve Tudor or Stephen <laughs> Tudor. And I don't want it happening to me. I've already Jordan here. I don't want Jordan L got full name. Set the standards
2: um, on, the, uh, middle on the show here, man, properly.
1: Sorry, um, on, mate. No, but unfortunately, I am going to go quite negative to begin with. Um, and I don't think it's outrageous for me to suggest that City are in a worse position going into this season than they were last season. When you take into context um, two first-team players, one of which is very important to us, coming down with coronavirus three weeks before the season started. We're not sure whether Laporte will be fit for Wolves. Uh, same goes for Mares. You take into account that we've lost David Silva, Leroy Sane, who before last season was fully fit and okay, may not have stayed for the season, um, but still on paper looked like a very important player for City. Fernandinho, I believe his legs have gone. Uh, last season, he was a very important player for City. The two... Areas that City have probably strengthened in on paper, a goalkeeper in Zach Steffen replacing Claudio Bravo, which doesn't make a massive difference in my opinion, and centre-back in which City still clearly need another centre-back to come in. Just before I came on this podcast, actually, I was reading my Twitter feed and I saw a great tweet from Stefan Borson saying, if we sign a top CB in the last days of the window, if Laporte stays fit, if Sergio plays 35 to 40 games, if one of four imperfect left-back options plays well all season, if the team isn't disrupted by Pep's final year circus, if Bernardo recovers his form, if Fernandinho isn't finished. And that basically sums up the majority of my feelings towards this. I'm feeling right, quite... bad. <laughs> 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 Thank you. I'll be
2: back.
1: I'm coming to you next. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm worried. I'll be honest, as you can probably tell from that um, summary. I am quite concerned An opening day victory against Wolves could easily change all that. You know, football fans are fickle and I'm no different. A convincing performance and win at Molyneux would make all the difference. However, it goes the other way and I can see my head dropping further um, if City don't get three points at Molyneux. So, yeah, to be honest, I'm quite concerned.
0: Thanks, that mistake is yours.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm not
2: following that. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> no let, let Jordan speak first because okay. I'm really not following that.
0: Okay, on you, Jordan. Do you agree with with all that, or are you seeing it in a more kind of optimistic
3: light? Um, I'm all aboard this season hype train. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, our going into the season isn't great, right? We, we obviously we don't have the centre-back that we need. Hopefully we will. In two weeks' time, if we don't have that centre-back, then it'll be all panic stations for me. Mm. But at the moment, there's still two weeks in the window left. We can still go in and sign a centre-back. We can probably, we could possibly fit one more in. I don't think it'll happen, but we can still sign a centre-back. But I'm buzzing for this season. I'm absolutely buzzing. Regardless, we're still signing, we've still signed Ferran Torres. I'm buzzing to see him play. He's a great attacking player who will fill that Leroy Sane void. Um. David Silver's kind of like obviously he's gone. Hopefully we'll see Foden play in that position more. I know we've seen him left wing, right wing more. And if he wasn't to see Foden play in that position, I would have hoped he would have gone out and signed someone for that position, but that's not what's happened. And Pep has always said that Foden is the man to step up into Silver's shoes. But you know, I mean I'm I'm all aboard this season. Hype train. I'm 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 excited to see everyone back. I mean, I like Obviously, I know what you're saying about like the, the shape of it and how it is obviously it isn't looking great. Because, and it's all based on this, this centre-back situation. Yeah, like you're me.
2: not allowed to be excited about the season, mate. It's pretty obvious that, like, you know, that... The, the elders of, of, of City social media have spoken and everything is fucked. And, you know, <laughs> we just have to sit back and wait for Laporte and Aguero to get injured and wait for Mendy to get injured and wait for the players to stop playing because Pep's in the final year of his contract. And you know what? It's going to be a battle for the top six.
0: Can I just ask you, do you think there's too much emphasis being placed on our need for Koulibaly?
2: Um, no, not at all. Like, I, I, so, look, I had a conversation with Stefan two days ago. The truth is this. If we get the centre back, we, the, 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 the conversation is very binary, right? We need a right footed, right sided centre back because Stones and Otta have shown that they're not up to it. Um, we have another two weeks of the window, or however long it is. I believe that in that two weeks, they'll get a centre-back in. At that point, in my opinion, we will have massively addressed two utterly key areas um, in terms of squad weakness. Centre-back, to bring in Ake and a right-sided player of some quality is massively different to what we had last season, which was a collection of centre-backs where Pep didn't trust any of them. You would assume that if he's buying the players this summer, at least for next season, the players that he's buying, he'll trust. Similarly with Torres, Leroy didn't kick a ball last season because he had an ACL. So actually... We're a player stronger. Where people talk about, oh, you know, we were that far behind Liverpool and now Sane's gone. We didn't have Sane last season and we didn't have Laporte last season because they were both out with ACLs. They're both back. Their positions have been strengthened. So I find it a bit weird that when people talk about how we're going into this season weaker than last season... Not at all. We lost Vinny last summer, right? And this summer, we're buying two centre-halves. So I don't see how we're we're, we're weakened People talking about losing David Silva. David Silva should have gone last summer. It's that simple, yeah? His legs had gone. He w- wasn't at the level, yeah, where he was going to play 35, 40 games in the upcoming season. And on top of that, by accommodating David Silva, Phil Foden was being shuffled around. So now Foden, hopefully, will be able to settle into the position that we know is going to be his future. So I'm just a little bit, uh I'm a bit surprised more than anything at the level of negativity because, okay, like I get it. The Leon performance was terrible. Our left-back issue is very much an issue where Mendy has to stay fit, and if he doesn't stay fit, then we're going to have a problem. Having said that, I expect that Pep will use Ake out there. And as I've explained many times, Ake will be a much better backup than Delph was or Zinchenko. Yeah, Because absolutely. Ake is a natural defender. Yeah. So he's not positionally dumb, which is what both of the aforementioned players were, which is where the problems have kind of begun and ended with both of those players. So again, I'm... I'm just really, I feel very disconnected from everything that Jordan said at the top and that tweet from Stefan that, that you read out. For me, I'm just like, yeah, sorry, lads. Like, I feel like we're, we're either supporting different teams or we just literally have totally different views. I think I look, I look around at the rest of the, the, the Premier League and I go, Manchester City have got the strongest squad in the league player for player. It's insane. What our bench looks like, right? Nobody, maybe Chelsea now, having bought five players, yeah, and the fact that they've got two or three from the academy who look top, maybe they'll be able to begin to feel benches that look like ours, but nobody else can. So, you know, the, the negativity is is completely disconnected from the reality of the squad that City have or the optimism that we should have going into the season. And it speaks volumes for me that the first 10 minutes of this podcast is as negative as it is.
1: No, I totally see where you're coming from, a And trust me, I like the positivity to cancel out the negativity. I think... I, as a football fan, are naturally pessimistic. But let me clear up. I'm not for a minute suggesting that City are going to struggle for top four this season. My worry is focusing on City's aim, which I think we all agree, of winning the Premier League title. Big gap Fine, to make up for Liverpool. But, but, but to- if we
2: say, if we say, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I have to say this because you said Go it at the top. It. If we say, right, if Aguero stays fit, If Laporte stays fit, if this, if that, how the fuck does that not apply to Liverpool in exactly the same way? They've just gone two full seasons, right? With Van Dijk, Mane and Salah, between the three of them, barely missing any games, remaining completely fit for two seasons, playing every single game at a super high level of intensity nobody's talking about the fact that they've not strengthened in those positions. Buying Thiago, well, they've, they're have they basically replacing Nabi Keita, who was a mistake, and it's not worked out. That's what they're doing with Thiago. It doesn't make them any stronger at centre-back, and it doesn't make them any stronger in the front three. So I think that there has to be context to any conversation when you're talking about competitive
1: sport, where we're going up against our rivals. We're not playing against ourselves. I would agree to an extent, but I would also say that you have just answered your own question on that point. Liverpool haven't had those injuries over the past two years, whereas City fans, I think it's natural to think those ifs could become realities, given the fact that the players mentioned Aguero and Laporte, and I can't remember who else was actually mentioned, but Omendi as well have had serious injury problems over the past two years. So therefore, it's not unreasonable to...
2: I don't think Aguero has had serious injury problems over the last two years, and I don't think that Laporte has had serious injury problems over the last two years. Laporte has had one bad injury, which he's back from now, right? And since he's come back, he hasn't broken down in the way that Mendy broke down. So you can remove Laporte from the injury conversation, and then when it comes to Aguero, genuinely point out where he's had a bad injury. I don't I don't recall it. He's been a, like he generally he'll miss between five and ten games a season. That's just con like at the age that he's getting to, that's normal. Yeah, it'll pick up little little niggles here and there. But the idea that like they're injury prone just seems again a massive exaggeration to me.
1: Okay, fine. You can remove the word serious from what I've said, but injury issues and these are really important players. I think if you look at City at the back end of last season, the striking situation was clear. Gabriel Jesus wasn't cutting it as a number nine and we missed Aguero's goals. So therefore, if Aguero misses his five to ten games and he's getting a little bit older, he's had this injury problem, he's not had a full pre-season uh, like any of the players have. So I think injuries are a bigger risk going into this season as it is. So therefore, as I say, it's not unreasonable to be slightly worried going into the season with so players who have name? had injury issues. How
2: do you issues.
1: solve it? How do you solve it? I'm not suggesting solutions here, and I know that's not ideal, but this is the situation that I, and like many other City fans, are looking at and thinking, this could potentially go wrong for City. That's all. I'm not saying that it will, but I think it's not unreasonable to think about what Laporte's experienced over the past season, what Mendy's experienced over the past two seasons, and you've mentioned how precarious the left-back position is yourself, and all of a sudden, think we could be in a position where we have a serious problem. And I think the left back situation is probably the area where I think a solution is clear: it's to buy a new left back.
0: No, um have you seen any good telly lately? Mate?
3: <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I've heard the boys is good. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, let's switch tack. That. that was really good, lads. I really enjoyed listening to that, and that's why I didn't interject at any point because. Two valid you know opinions coming from very opposing views and yeah that's what it's all about
2: I think we're pre- I think we um I've always said this and I stand by it I think that we're preconditioned to think the worst which is understandable I agree I agree yeah the history of, of city it's not a shock right for as a city supporter to think the worst I completely get that and um, I just think that a little bit we're losing slowly we're losing sight of the quality inside the squad slowly we're forgetting yeah. that like you know probably there's 12 or 13 players in our squad who get in the best 11 of everybody else in the league right so that's it gives you it gives you an indication of the levels of quality that we're carrying in our squad. And I don't dispute the fact that we underperformed last season, but that's the thing for me in the end, uh, maybe you can look at the Vinny thing and, and the Laporte injury and you can go, well, we always knew that Stones and Otamendi weren't good enough. But Even Stones and Otamendi at different moments have operated at a really high level for Manchester City. So it's, I just think it's. More, I think the situation is more nuanced and more complicated than simply looking at certain positions and going, well, we're weak in that position. And what we need to do is go and
0: drop X amount and just go and buy a top player. Well, on that note, I'll start with you, Jordan. Um, which players are most in need of starting the campaign with a bang this
3: year? Uh, there's four players in mind for me. Okay. Okay. Um, one, the most controversial of my list of four has probably been Mahrez. Um And the reason I say Mares is because I feel like when Mares doesn't start with the bang, people get on his back. Right. So I feel like to save yeah. to save people jumping on Marez's back because people did it his first season. And obviously, because he cost a lot of money and he just came in. But we, I think it's more everyone knows how good Mares is and the quality he can bring to the side. So if he doesn't bring that, like in, instantly, it's like people can jump at him. So I, I, I just want Mares to kick off where he left last season because he had a great season last season. And for me, last season, he really felt a part of the team. His first year here, I felt like he didn't really know what to do. I feel like he felt obliged to always pass to Kevin De Bruyne in that. Yeah. Whereas this season just gone, you saw himself, you saw more character from Mares And obviously he hit the ground running last season because he just won the African Cup of Nations, came back early and slammed it throughout the season. Um so, Maris is is my top of the list, and the, the other three, uh, Cancelo needs to actually play. So, obviously, yeah, um, yeah, for that for that. But I, I do want to, I, I, I want to see him play because I know he, he he has the quality there. And um, whether it's left back or right back, I, I'll just be happy to see him play. And when he plays, obviously, I hope he plays well. Uh, or else, that's just another problem because of the whole defensive situation. Everyone will jump on that. Uh, Mendy, I think this this these two, Mendy and Stones, is my last. Two. Mendy and Stones. Both pivotal seasons. Stones is, is. make or break. Uh, for Stones, it's either this season or bust. So like, if he, it's pretty much his city career now is on the line. I feel like he's been saved. Um, he's literally been saved by asking his team this season. I feel like it, if, if other things would have happened, he, he would have been sold. Um, but he has another chance now to make it. So obviously he has to step into those shoes. And Mendy, um, he's just got to play games. And, and not make mistakes. Yes, it, obviously uh, he, he is creeping up here. I think he played 30 games last season, so he's getting more games in, but I, I want to see more games, better performances. Because do yeah. you remember when Mendy first joined, I'm sure he got like 11 assists. Oh, it it that, was mad. It's
0: incredible it that first five five weeks, was it? Four weeks?
3: Um, yeah, because when, when he first joined, he got more assists than Kolarov and Klisha did put together. Yeah. And I was oh, yeah. like, this guy is insane. And, as well something that i think we'll see is because of um playing mendy more we can play the I and mean, we've signed ake i think we'll see three at the back a lot more this oh, season okay.
0: okay my my negative shout by the way is i don't believe mendy's going to get back to being that player again um that's just my one negative yeah, <laughs> yeah, elsewhere that, 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 I'm, I'm quite optimistic but
2: yeah i think you know with mendy the one thing i would say though is that the thing that stood out when uh when he was at Monaco um was his delivery into the box and I'm not sure that um that will never come back like I, I completely agree like physically I'm not sure that he'll ever be as dynamic as he was at Monaco uh, yeah. and I'm not sure he'll ever have that pace but the thing that's been the most disappointing for me with mendy has just been that in the season just gone he wasn't dangerous enough in the yeah. final third and I genuinely believe that that is something that he can get back again
0: I hope so I I, I really do because that was those first few weeks with Mendy it was one of those few occasions in life where you're thinking oh my god who have we signed here (laughs) this is fire I think it's the only time that we've had genuine optimism in the left
2: back position (laughs) for like maybe 25, 30 years, something like that. And it lasted six
0: games. And then he got it. Exactly. Jordan E., due to the lack of preseason, do you think Pep's team selection, the Wolves, might be determined somewhat by who's looking fittest, who's looking the sharpest in training right now?
1: If I can just very quickly. mentioned Sterling yeah. um, for someone who needs a, a good start to the season because I think a lot of people like myself were a bit concerned after the Leon game that he might be a bit mentally shot yeah. having missed that open net um, but I was really um, encouraged by him taking that last minute penalty against Iceland for England so I'm, I'm not as worried as I was about him um, but you know just for the sake of putting that to the back of people's minds, I'd love to see Sterling get off to a, a confident start. And, I, you know, I'm backing him because he, he actually looked really good towards the end of last season. Absolutely. Um, yeah, in terms of whether I think Pep will um, go for more who's fittest and uh, given the lack of preseason, I mean, I guess so. I, I think the majority of the players will be in similar situations, having not had a great deal of rest. A lot of international um, players have gone out to represent their national teams. I I'm, I can't see him risking anyone too early in what is going to be a very long season Yeah. in, in a very, well, a long season in a short period of time, really. There, there is going to be a lot of games, a lot of fixture congestion. And the last thing anyone wants is rushing a player back too soon um, for them to break down and, you know, miss an extended period of time. So, I, th- I think the most interesting one is whether Laporte will be fit. You know, we- with him testing positive for coronavirus, I believe he was asymptomatic. Um, it's just whether he will be able to to start and whether he's had enough training under his belt. Because as we all know, based on how he played last season, I think it was 12 clean sheets out of 15 with him in the side. Um, absolutely can you, crucial. Can I,
3: can I just ask, is, is Laporte back in
1: training now? Is he actually from well, I know, I I know believe- Maris is, but... I just saw a tweet suggesting that he isn't in training today. I'm not sure whether that's true. Um, so we'll Bad have to win. That, that's then, worrying
0: because for the yeah. first two fixtures, Wolves and Leicester, um, i put those two right up there as teams who really do challenge our defence and you know have Absolutely. done so over the last couple of seasons as well in very different ways. But you know, you want the port available when you're coming up against Wolves, uh, Triore, and you're coming up against Vardy in a week's time.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Apart from that though, Stee, uh, I think the majority of the players will be in similar situations. So Mm. it's not like one of those pre-seasons where some players have been off uh, for an extended period of time after playing at the Copper America or the World Cup. I think the majority of the players are in a similar position. Uh, So it should be fairly easy for Pep to just choose who he wants to play rather than thinking about um, who's a few percentage points fitter. Yeah.
0: Uh hey A we've I think we can all agree on this part and all, all agree listening at home as well that City need to sign the centre back and Koulibaly very much looks like the player in the, in the frame. There's also Jules Cond uh um Sevilla as well being mentioned. How important is it to bring in this centre back earlier rather than later? Uh, you know, as soon as possible essentially, in order for him to kind of fit in, settle in and get a full season under his belt at City?
2: I don't know, and I'll tell you why I don't know. I don't know because we still have John Stones, Nicolas Otamendi and uh, Garcia uh, as centre-backs at the club along with Laporte and Ake now. So we've got loads of centre-backs at the club. You can't just keep piling players on top of that unless you're going to let players go. Um, uh, Me personally, I think that they have to let one of Stones or Otamendi go and if that happens, then definitely they need to bring a centre-back in. I'm, I'm less, uh, I, I, over the years, I've become less obsessed with getting business done early. I feel as though it's more important to get the right player. So for me, if we sign Koulibaly in the last hour of the transfer window, I'm cool with that. It's not an issue for me. i take on board, and I, I know that, uh, again... The what gets thrown back at me is well, look at the fine margins in the league, and every point is really important. And you know, if you drop points to get Wolves against Wolves or Leicester, then those are points that you could have avoided dropping if you'd signed the centre back. But for me, that's just a little bit too. It's too simplistic. Do you know what I mean? You can you could go and sign a new centre back and still lose against Wolves. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's just I'm. I'm, I want the business to be done and I want to get the right player. I'm not massively bothered about where exactly in the window it actually happens. Um, I've got a question for the three of you. Since we're here and we're talking about this I and mean, we're just talking about Laporte. Argument's sake, right? Let's say Laporte isn't available for Wolves on Monday of the three. I'm going with the idea that AK starts full stop. Right. So then, of the three that are that are there, Garcia, Otamendi, Stones individually, who do you trust the most to play in a back four against
0: Wolves? Steve, you go first. And um, I've actually surprised myself there by by thinking that that's Garcia. Not so much who I trust the most, but who I believe that Pep trusts the most, and in doing so, I vicariously trust him the
3: most. If that makes mm. sense. Okay. Um, so I'd go with Garcia.
2: Okay. Jordan i
3: um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm with that on um, that. Watching Garcia play, I know obviously he wants to leave and go to Barcelona, but put all that aside, if he doesn't leave this season, he's still a player that we can play. Mm. Um, he's still our player until he leaves, so we may as well use him. And for me, when he played last season, he brought some sort of calmness because he, he instantly had a, a great relationship with Laporte. He's got a really good football brain on him. I mean mm. he might not be physically the best like the biggest guy or the strongest guy however he's a very very clever player for his age. He's got like the mental age of like a 28 year old. You wouldn't think he's, he's, he's as young as he is. So for me it's it's Garcia as well.
1: Jordan? Like Steve I've surprised myself um, and I fear I'm going to get pelters for it but Otamendi's jumping out at me and yeah, yeah. I, I think it's because I, I rate Raul Jimenez so highly I actually think he's the on form based on last season and this season the best number nine in the Premier League um I think he's absolutely brilliant and he's a real handful for defenders I know Otamendi's got clangers in him but I'd still have more trust in him at this stage then a very young Garcia, who, you know, has done no wrong, but I still feel a bit uneasy throwing him against Jimenez. And Stones, which we unfortunately, you just don't know what you're going to get with him because he's been out for quite some time. He, he also has clangers left in him. And Otamendi uh at times, as you mentioned at the start of the podcast, ASAN has had very good moments for City. And I mm. still think on his day, he can dominate a centre forward like Jimenez. So I would actually, as much as I would say, if you would ask me which centre back makes way for a new centre back out of Stones and Otamendi, I'd be saying Otamendi. I still have more trust in him in the starting lineup. So ASAN, mm. that's
0: 2 1, Garcia to Otamendi. Who would you go for?
1: Yeah, I mean
2: I, I think for me I, I would never play Garcia but it's more to do with the fact that um I, I obviously he's not got a lot of pace and he's not very physically imposing and those are two things that um particularly if Traore plays as well that that wolves front line have having spades um I, I'd be I'd be worried that you know, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't go with García. And then between Stones and Otamendi, wow. I mean, I guess I'm with Jordan. I think I'd probably, if they're both still at the club, which I guess it will be, me personally, I'd probably end up picking Otamendi and then regretting it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I know, yeah. like, sitting here now on paper, you look at it and you go, you know what? I'd pick Otamendi because, like, He'll probably do the best against him and as he'll have that physical battle and he'll be niggly and he'll, you know, the kind of cuteness that you need from a centre back uh, against a number nine like that. I think that Otamendi's got it in him. <laughs> I also know that Otamendi'll go running out to close Traore down, get skin, <laughs> go flying in. Yeah. Probably we can, we can miss Traore yeah. connect with the other player and get himself a red <laughs> card for that. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean... I hey, can
3: <laughs> I, can, can, can cool. I just say, right, with uh, the whole John Stones... I obviously none of us have gone for John Stones. However, for me, John Stones is the one out of out of Mendy and... Out of Mendy, gassing and Stones. John Stones is the one that could potentially actually have a career at City. I agree. Um, Yeah. And so surely if Pep's saying to Stones, if Pep's there going, right, you've got another chance, then he needs to get that chance. So... I mean, first game of the season, throw him in, see if, he's, see if he cuts it, I, and then uh, bin I him off.
1: I, I, I don't, don't think that's Pep's approach. I don't think yeah. Pep ever does that. <laughs> yeah. I think he, he he goes with what he trusts.
3: John yeah, because I I, well. I, always, I always feel like if, if you lose trust with Pep, we've seen it with Otamendi, we've seen it with Zinchenko, we've seen it with mm. Delph. If you lose trust with Pep, then you don't you don't necessarily play for uh, quite a long that's time.
0: I, I also feel with John Stones, but for the, for the foreseeable future, his mindset is going to be about getting his game right again and to partner in with a new signing like Ake. I know Ake's got a yeah, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah that's really, true. Yeah, so, and also Stones against Wolves. I mean, this worries me in this conversation because I completely agree with Ace, and even though I went for Garcia myself, because, yeah, Garcia, no pace, kind of, you know, not physically imposing. So you think, well, hang on, do we really want a centre-back who we have to pick and choose who he plays against? And the same goes in my thinking for John Stones. I wouldn't fancy John Stones against Wolves do we want to mm. centre back like that? Or do you want a centre back who you basically play week in, week out, you know, whoever that opposition is and
2: I, I think that I think that part of the reason that we we're basically picking different players and we don't know who we choose part of that is on Guardiola because fundamentally Guardiola has spent the better part of two years chopping and changing centre-backs almost on a game by game basis. And we've ended up in a situation where by the end of last season, post lockdown, suddenly we're like, Oh, right. So now Ottoman and stones are completely frozen out. are not going to play any games except for dead rubbers. And he's going to play a kid instead of them. So it's, you know, we've got no faith in Stones because Stones played no football after lockdown was was lifted and Garcia took his place. But now that clown wants to go back to Barcelona. Um, and <laughs> I'm, I'm nah, but that, that bothers me. Like the, the whole Garcia thing has properly infuriated me because I'm right. like, he's a kid, right? He still lives at the CFG. Guardiola. The, the, the coaches, the people around the club should have known what his intentions were before they decided to basically say to somebody like John Stones, who's a 40 million pound asset, mate you're done here, this kid Garcia is the future, we rate him, he's going to be this, he's going to be that, and then that clown turns around and goes, I don't want to be here anymore, I'm going back to Barcelona, and my contract expires in a year, so you're going to have to sell me this summer, now you've got to go back to John Stones, you go, you know what mate, actually, I was going to throw you in the bin, but now I'm probably going to need you to stay for another year and perform. So I think there is an element of kind of Pep not trusting Stones or Mendy, but then ending up in a situation where the whole Garcia-Barcelona-he's-my-guy thing has blown up in his face. And now he's got to go back to one of those guys, certainly for the game on Monday. So I think that as much as we don't rate Ottomanian stones, yeah, I definitely think there's an element here of Pep chopping and changing centre-backs, nobody getting a consistent run, there being no point at which you feel like Okay, that guy's put himself in a position where
0: he's now Laporte's partner. And Jordan, this is a, an awful question. It's a, a, a piss poor question, but it's Chilling. a question. <laughs> it's a question that's pertinent, I believe, considering the the start that City had last year. Eight games in, it was one draw, two losses. It felt like the title was over. So. How important is it for City to start well, to get the six points against Leicester and Wolves and, and really impose ourselves in this title race right from the off? How important is it psychologically as much as anything else?
3: Yeah, just, just before I said that, I was thinking, um, still on the psycho- psychological side of things, I think uh, what ASAM was saying then about John Stones, about Pep going, well, City going to Garson. John Stones was saying, look, Gassi is the new guy. He's coming up, seeing a bit, mate. Um, and then Gassi going, yeah, I want to leave him and going, right, oh, Sorry, John, didn't mean that. We're just joking. Um, that situation for me, it's either going to work one way or the other with John Stones. We know John Stones mentally gets affected by this stuff, uh, by a lot of like outside-of-the-game stuff. So it's either going to put a fire in his belly to say, yes, I have another chance here to save my career, or it's going to go the other way and be like, they were ready to bin me off. Um, like yeah. mentally, Mentally, that obviously we know... It shouldn't affect him, and he should be buzzing. But.
0: I'm more inclined to believe it's it's going to be okay with Johnstone psychologically because the situation was so clear and apparent anyway. So it wouldn't have come as a surprise to him. Yeah, you know, yeah. even with the ego that that any Premier League defender or footballer needs, if that would have broke through his ego, he'll he would have been aware that his position was in jeopardy anyway. So, and
3: we we've seen him putting on on Instagram. And uh, on the social saying about how he's buzzing for next season. That's kind of when I I knew. That's when I. That's when I knew that. Yeah, John Stones is. He knows. I think in his head he knows that he's been given another chance, Mm. and he's ready to go out this season.
2: I've heard that Arsenal had basically made an offer that City were ready to take for Stones, and that Stones turned around and went, "I want to stay and fight for my place." Uh, I love that. That's encouraging. which is which is very interesting and i think that i believe i believe that because it was quite a way before they did the gabriel deal and like people were saying to me like 4 weeks ago 6 weeks ago there's an offer for stones from arsenal that you know city will city will take it right it's it's a good offer um that obviously Arteta's is there stones knows arteta but Stones himself turned around and went, I don't want to leave this summer. Um, So I, I feel as though uh, he will feel like it's a reprieve, the whole Garcia thing. And I'm hoping. Look, with Stones, for me, it's very much about physical fitness being connected to mental fitness. And I think that if he can stay physically fit and stay mentally fit, then he's got a chance this season.
3: Okay. I, I, I think people shouldn't lose sight of the quality player that Stones is. Oh, he's a, he he's a very, very good player. But Germany, um, was it the seventeen eighteen season when he started the first ten games and I don't think we conceded? And it was it was mad. Him and Laporte, he made some mad partnership, and it was like, and then then it started swapping out for Ottomendi and stuff, and then it all just went downhill from there. He didn't stay fit, but he does have quality. Uh, going back to your questions, D, uh, the getting the six points psychological wise, uh, I think it is. Important to hit the ground running, and I think it'll be important for the fans as well psychologically. Miserable,
1: you, negative bookers like me, yeah, basically. <laughs> the people like the other Jordan. If we <laughs> yeah. lose on Monday night, then his
3: world just crashing down. <laughs> yeah, you off. won't see
1: me for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, but
3: then it, uh, it'll. If we lose on Monday to Wolves, Wolves are Wolves are a good side. We, we lose yeah. on Monday to Wolves. City City Twitter goes into meltdown. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to go off because everyone's going to be like, "We've lost already." We've all, like Liverpool have already set... I mean, their ground is already set. They're, they're at a pace going. Mm. We need We need to hit the ground running as well. We need to come back in and just be like, yeah, transfer window hasn't been the best, but can still be good. But we still have all these quality players. Don't lose... Again, don't lose sight in the fact that we have this team. This team is sick. This season, more
2: than any season, is going to be a marathon because of the... the- way that there it wasn't really a pre-season and everybody's basically gone from the end of last season almost straight into this season again. Um I, I do agree that we need to, to hit the ground running from a supporter point of view because I think also Liverpool have got that game in hand because they started their season a week earlier. So I think that people will panic very, very easily if they see a points gap, even if yeah. City have got
1: games in hand. So... I think I Liverpool will have played twice by the time that we play, won't they? Yeah, well, then? yeah,
0: and once away at yeah. Chelsea, which they could easily drop points. So,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: So, You're what about right. for the, uh, Jordan E from a player's perspective then? Um, you know, we're hearing the right noises because that um, I, I should be the case, frankly. You know, it was a huge disappointment to them as professionals last season, particularly in comparison to the two that preceded it as well. So, the players going to be chomping at the bit, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and I think... One thing that you can say about this City team is that they are a squad of winners. They are players who are used to winning now. You look at the players throughout the team. Kevin De Bruyne is not going to settle for second best. He'd be unhappy if he finished second in the Ballon d'Or. He wants everything. Sergio Aguero used to winning. You know, these are players who, on their mind, they will not be thinking if we lose to Wolves, Wolves are a good team. They will be thinking, we've got to be beating Wolves, we've got to be beating Leicester, because Liverpool finished on 99 points last season. And I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure how many points you can possibly get, but they didn't drop that many. So, as Asan said at the start of the podcast, the margins are very fine. And these players will know that, and they will not be contemplating draws or losses against Wolves or Leicester. It's not to say they can't happen, both very good sides but these players are winners and they'll only be thinking about winning these games.
0: Okay, well, let's move on to the Wolves game then. Um, uh, An answer from all three of you, and i start with you, a How do you see the game playing out?
2: Um... I think Wolves are, are are pretty set in the way that they play and City are pretty set in the way that they play. So I don't think that we're in for a surprise, for example. Yeah, I think that it will be what it will be. Wolves will look to play on the break. They will be very dangerous on the break, but they will be very well organized defensively uh, and their block will be low. City will, I imagine, dominate the football as they tend to do. I'm... Very, very interested in the team selection. I believe that Guardiola has decisions to make in every line on the pitch, with the exception of the goalkeeper. Uh, I've no idea what the back four will be, but he's got tr- decisions to make. Yeah. Um, similarly, I've got no idea what the midfield three will be. He's got decisions to make though. And I think it's the same in the front three. And I think in, I think in particular, I'm interested in the front three because I don't think enough has been made of the fact that Mahrez and Bernardo Silva could not get a game after lockdown, that Foden was elevated above both of those two for a position that's unnatural for him. Guardiola's big on trust. When that happens, that screams to me that some kind of trust has been broken. Do you know what I mean? Because Pep's... Big on fairness and giving people minutes and time and, you know, the whole idea of making people feel involved. And Pep isn't the kind of guy who's going to throw a 19-year-old kid in and bench two experienced senior internationals. But he did that. So, and now he's added Ferran Torres, who I believe is coming in in the right condition physically and mentally to maybe be ready to play from the start of the season so now he's got another option and another reason to keep Mares and Bernardo away from those front three positions so I think he's got decisions to make everywhere and I think that the most in- interesting thing will really be what team Guardiola ends up picking
0: okay uh, Jordan we, we don't really get a lot of luck at Wolves um, I'm thinking of the handball a few years ago um, the, the loss last year Um are you optimistic about this particular game
1: well I, mean, well, I think, I think you can right. guess about my levels of optimism. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're, they're a good side, and I, I think ASAN summed it up well there by saying we know what to expect from both sides. You're not, you know what Wolves are going to do, and I, yeah. I think maybe the one criticism of Nuno Espirito Santo is he is quite tactically limited in the sense that that is his system. You know, what Wolves play, that three-back formation with, um, you know, okay, they, they alternate between having... Jota as the second striker or maybe playing two wingers alongside Jimenez but you generally you know what you're getting from Wolves and what that is is a very good footballing side who can also defend for their lives so it like Aysan I'm waiting to see the team selection before saying I'm optimistic because Wolves I would say are a similar side to Leon. I don't think that there's major differences between those two sides both in terms of their standing and both in terms of the way that those sides play so I'm hoping that Guardiola is not going to go for a similar lineup and he puts a bit more trust in the players to play their natural game I would like to see Foden in central midfield and I know it's a risky one because they're a team that can you know sort of stand their own in midfield and you know putting Foden and De Bruyne in front of Rodri for example is quite risky given Guardiola's usual approach of going with more of a double pivot with Gundogan who can help out defensively although you know it's questionable how much he actually does I think one thing that we've seen when City have played Wolves at home uh, particularly last season when we lost 2-0 and Adama scored on the break and it, it's just the same against a lot of other sides as well is that City struggle to break them down through the middle and resort to crossing into the box. For me, Phil Foden is City's biggest hope of breaking teams down through the middle this season. His dribbling ability is superb. I think City need to get him in games like that on the ball as much as possible. He's not going to be able to do that as much from the right wing. I've got trust in Pep, might not. But I would not be displeased seeing Mares or Bernardo Silver on the right because I think they can do similar things to Foden um, in terms of what Pep will expect of them. I think Foden gives City something different through the middle. It, it's slightly more risky, but if City are going to break stubborn teams down this season, that I think could be a key.
0: Jordan, do you anticipate similar kind of, you know, risks to be taken forden to be played in the middle, or are you anticipating a double pivot and, you know, more caution to
3: to start with? See, uh I'd be happy seeing Foden in the middle. Like Jordan said, I'm i it's about time we started playing him in the position that apparently is his. If David Silva was here, would he be playing this game? Um so if Foden is the player to replace David Silva, do we put David Silva in? Obviously, like I say, it's risks, it's risk first game of the season. Um I'd like to see it and I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, however, no, in pits double pivot time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I say this, I say this as if like I'm slating the double, double pivot, but I think the double pivot for me works against teams that attack you. It doesn't work when you're playing teams who are going to sit back and counter-attack you because you, they just sit back, you have the majority of the ball, you're wasting yeah. an attacking player on your double pivot. So you need to you need to have just Rodri sitting there, let him control the floor of the game in the centre defensive mid. And so with Wolves, I'd like to see him go with because I feel like we'll have the majority of the ball. I'd like to I'd like to see us go with just Rodri in the centre defensive mid role and then Foden and De Bruyne. My only worry about saying Foden and De Bruyne is this Foden for me. I don't know what it is. His, his shape is is like a hybrid of Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva. He's not like a complete David Silva player. Mm, he I, has I that. that. Yeah. He's like a mix of the two, and it's probably because he's learning from both of them, or has been learning from both of them. So I, I feel like he's become this hybrid of both. So are we gonna sacrifice Kev going forward because forward in the team as well? Like I I, I, I don't want one to cancel out the other. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I'd be immensely surprised if Phil Foden started in the midfield um, against Wolves. I mean, I would, I would like that myself, but I just can't
1: see it. I yeah, think. I'd be surprised as well, Steve, to be honest. I just That's just what I want to see. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think so much emphasis has been placed on while well, this is Foden's time now to replace David Silva. I think it's another season, yeah, another year. I think um, Phil can expect to play most of his games you know, as part of a front three this season, and it'll be all on Kunder, which is my... Big thing for this season, really. Um, two aspects: men to stay fit, and for Gundo to, to have a good season. Because I think that's,
2: I, I think that's a little bit impossible. Um, I think that if Guardiola decides that he's going to use Phil Foden primarily in the front three, then he will have an enormous problem. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yes. I too think, many players there. Yeah, totally. I mean, I just, I don't think that's realistic. Particularly having brought Torres in. Um, I've got a question for the three of you. Actually, do any of you think? That um, Foden doesn't even make the squad on Monday because of what happened when he went away mm. with England duty. So basically, do you think that Guardiola takes the point of view that Foden's going to be privately punished by being removed from being removed as an option on match days for a game or two games or three games?
3: No, I, mm. I, I, I think I think he takes a stance of. What's done is done, new season, fresh start. Yeah, let's go. I, I agree. There is a gap as never what? what was it, three
0: weeks ago, was it, or two weeks ago? But just it maybe if it was a week earlier, it might be a consideration. I think there's a gap now where Pep thinks, well, no one's really expecting me to do this. Mm. So,
1: And I think, if anything, it, it puts more pressure on Foden. If you, yeah, if you leave him people, out it? yeah yeah it reminds like why is Foden not involved in the squad and I think he's now got to that level where people would be surprised if Foden wasn't in the squad and it brings back the questions Pep gets asked difficult questions at full time um so as much as it would be a private decision and a private punishment you know it gets brought out in the press I, I can't see him doing that personally son.
2: yeah I mean I I, I... It's funny because when it happened, I was instinctively my big worry was, oh my god, we're not going to see Foden until December now because Guardiola is just going to be like you're a knobhead and you need to learn a lesson <laughs> here. Um, but I, I feel as though I kind of disagree with you guys when you when you don't when you when you say that you feel that Foden won't start. I don't think you can get away from what happened post lockdown. Post lockdown, Phil Foden was at almost at Sterling Laporte level of playing, starting every game, being rested before important game. You see what I'm driving at here? That that there's a there was a feeling, there was a feeling from my side anyway, that Foden has proven in training that even in an unnatural position Just because of his dynamism, because of his clinicalness, because of his passing, because of all of his qualities, he's a better option than Bernardo and Mahrez. And I I just feel as though if he'd elevated himself to that post-lockdown, it's hard to see how David Silva gone. It's really difficult to see how Pep doesn't continue that if he's continuing those performances in training.
1: I I think he'll start. I, I just... I'd be surprised if he started in central midfield. Mm. But that's what I want to happen. Me too. Right, lads,
0: let's end on a bit of a, a, a fun one, really. Um, starting with you, Jordan R. What is your favorite opening day of the season as a blue? Uh
3: this, this, this is a weird one this actually. Um because I wasn't at the game. Um saying miss going to games, but favourite opening day season. This is a, it's so weird this. And it was <laughs> I, I've picked man. honestly. I've picked a proper West one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've picked Spurs Tottenham nil nil, right? 0 oh, nil, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. no goals. But for me, Joe Hart that game. It was, I was in a. I was in a. Shea Given was a fully competent, extremely good goalkeeper, and then Joe Hart came back, and then playing in that game, he, he was literally playing for that first spot, and he did it, and it was mint. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this is insane! We are seeing the best goalkeeper in the world right now." Um, and yeah, for me, it was just, it was it was a mad match. And I, I don't know, I, w- I didn't want to go for just like a standard job. I mean, loads of goals. I had to go for something, something a bit different. Well, so, yeah. I
0: mean, I loved that performance and I you know, loved that game. Nice sunny day there at kind of White Hart Lane. But I was concerned about David Silver, debut. I mean, he looked a fish out of water that day.
1: Yeah. He looks, yeah, the, the, the physical's in of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jordan, what's your favourite opening day memory?
1: It's got to be... Um... Aguero against Swansea. Yeah. Uh, his debut. I just remember thinking who is this absolute demon that we've signed? Um I, I remember I remember, that. I remember reading the sort of BBC sport they had comments on under the articles about that on most of them. Um and it was just fans of rival clubs saying why why haven't we signed him? It was a nice <laughs> feeling. Um and you just knew he's going to be a special player for us. Uh, and that's that second goal. From thirty odd yards, I mean, what a finish! So, yeah, I'd probably have to go for Aguero four 0 Four nil, I think it was against Swansea. Yeah, you, you know what's crazy about that? It
3: was. It seems so long ago. Well, it, it was so long ago, but I can. Rem- you can just remember it like as it was yesterday, yeah. and it's was kind of it, sad thinking so that it's been so long. Ago. It would be eight
1: years ago now, wouldn't it? God. Longer, nine. Was it nine? Nine years ago, yeah. twenty eleven, September twenty, well, August twenty eleven, yeah. it would have been.
3: It's scary, isn't it? Like that, that, that amount of time has passed and Aguero's going to the end of his career. And I obviously we all have that same feeling of on that day, all watching Aguero going, This guy is something else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that
0: assist he made for David that day was Yeah, yeah, that yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh that what's your favourite memory?
2: I I thought about this a lot, you know. Um and weirdly enough, uh, for me, I I've c I, I kept coming back to the same game and it was City Away at West Ham. Uh, mm, Spence Sven. first game, first game. And the reason I picked that is because it, I think for me, it's the line, it's the tipping point in terms of the changing perception of optimism and Man City. Because I think that for, for whatever reason, before that, everything that had happened, even the Keegan season, coming back up, even Anelka, everything, it felt somehow brittle. It felt like it wasn't you know that city was still in danger um and i think it's the combination of sven all those players coming in basically hitting the ground running in that game feeling like you know i don't i just i just remember thinking city are a good team we're not you know we have a good manager and we are, we're a good team and we could do well and i think that that's something that even in the even in the Keegan years, um, even when he bought an Elk Fowler and all that sort of business, there was something in the buying, something inside of what was happening that felt like it wasn't real. Um, and it felt very much like the ambition was surface level. And for whatever reason, that's in Sven, that just felt more real. Um, so, yeah, that that's what I'm going to go with. Was
0: um, West Ham a sunny day as well? It was. It? it was a beautiful day. Yeah. Yeah. It was, what, what was your stay? Uh, mine's not a favourite, but an eventful one. I'll try and make this as short as I can. It was um, around 1990, I was 16, uh, Liverpool away, and uh, I went with my brother, who's six years old, van me, and five of his mates who are all Liverpool fans. So basically, we got the train up to Liverpool, had a few pints. Uh, we went in the home end, we went in the away end, and then we'd meet up afterwards, and we are going to have a pub crawl around Liverpool. Um so, the last drink before we went to the ground, I switched to a vodka and coke because I'd had like three or four pints and I thought, I don't know to we going to the toilet every 20 minutes. So, I had a vodka and coke. Didn't think anything of it. <clears throat> After the game, we went right across the road. I think the pub was actually called The Anfield. It's right by the ground. Packed to rafters with Liverpool fans. I've got a city top on. I'm 16 and I'm an idiot. <laughs> um and then all of a sudden uh, we've managed to find a table by the front door and all my brother's mates started saying i i was uh, i need to catch up with a pint so i was a pint behind and i was telling them well you know vodka is the same amount of alcohol as a pint you know um and then there was a bunch of yotta hughes on the table next to us like proper you just wouldn't mess with these lads proper baddens and they got in on a conversation and they agreed that i needed to have a pint and they changed it to i needed to down a pint and hmm. I went to the loo, and within the space of me going to the loo, word had spread around the pub, and it just, it was surreal, basically. And I was aware that I could hear it in the toilet. So when the barmaid brought a pint down to the table, people actually parted to kind of make way for her. The whole <laughs> pub was in on it. And so when I emerged from the toilet, there was like a 100, like, rapid Liverpool fans just properly kind of making this mass noise and um, telling me to down this pint. Uh, and I knew it got the atmosphere got a bit edgy, it changed a bit, and one of the Yoshi Husers lean over and said, If you don't fucking down it, lad, I'm gonna batter you <laughs> um, So I started having a few swigs and my brother and my brother is the meekest, shyest person you could ever hope to meet. He wouldn't say boo to a goose. He looked scared. Um he leant over to me and he said, Go on, Steve, you're a blue. This is for City. Don't let the scousers win. Come on, they won today, we'll win this one. Come on, as a blue, as a blue, the whole time as they're down the pint. Um, and I expected cheers, to be honest. There wasn't any cheers. <laughs> oh, well, that was an the <laughs> story, Steve. It, 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 it got nasty. I mean, it probably got nasty. And it got nasty quick as well. So me and my brother, pure fluke, a bus turned up. We could see it through the front door. So we just legged it on the bus. And like that. So yeah, I, I,
3: sorry. That can, can, we all, can we all have a cheer at home for Steve down in the pipe? <laughs> yeah.
0: My brother, my like he stepped up that day. Fair
3: it's, yeah. I can't, I can't, believe, I can't. Believe no. as I was expecting this, this, this <laughs> glorious <laughs> moment where you slam the empty pint glass down on the table, and everyone,
1: and the crowd went wild. Everyone, <laughs> Liverpool and City down. fans come together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh
0: yeah. I think they just want me to puke. That was what they wanted, they wanted <laughs> me to fail and puke. That would have
1: got a big cheer. <laughs> yes.
0: Right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, um, Ethan. Thanks a lot, mate. Pleasure, mate. Thank you, Jordanie.
1: No problem, mate.
0: And thank you, Jordan R. Yes, yes. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening in. Um, Check out some great content on the 9320 platform right now, including a season preview blog by our very own Howard Hockin. Until the next time, take care, everyone, and forever up the blues.